This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season two. It is episode number nine. We're calling this one Buck O'Neill, the Cubs' forgotten legend. We don't want you to forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Segment three, we continue our conversation about the Negro Leagues and about Jackie Robinson and the end of the Negro Leagues. Now, on April April 15th, 1947, Jackie Robinson at age 28 becomes the first African-American player in Major League Baseball's modern era when he steps onto Ebbets Field in Brooklyn to compete for the Brooklyn Dodgers. How did Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier affect the Negro Leagues? Well, you know, it's really interesting, even as you look at this jersey over this shoulder, the KNC, that's the 1945 Kansas City Monarch jersey. Jackie is here in Kansas City in 1945 playing for the Monarchs, which a lot of baseball fans to this day don't know. You know, I think people think that Jackie's, Jackie just walked out of nowhere and started playing for the Brooklyn Dodgers. But his real rookie season was here in Kansas City in 1945. And he spent all of five months with the great Kansas City Monarchs. The legendary Hilton Smith, one of the greatest pitchers of all time, unsung because he was oftentimes on the same team with Satchel Paige, and Satchel was going to overshadow almost any and everybody. Hilton Smith had recommended Jackie Robinson to the Monarchs owner, J.L. Wilkinson. He had seen him playing military ball when Jackie was stationed at Fort Hood. And when Jackie is court-martialed from the U.S. Army, he wins his court-martial case. And he's honorably discharged. He writes to J.L. Wilkinson and asks for a tryout. Well, they try him out in Houston, Texas. He makes the team. And as I said in my podcast, Black Diamonds, little did J.L. Wilkinson know he had just signed the man that was going to put him out of business because five months later, Jackie was gone. And I got to know several of his teammates from that 45 season before they passed away. And when Jackie came to the Monarchs, there was no real fanfare in and around him. He was just another ball player trying to make the Monarchs team. And quite frankly, had the Monarchs had their full roster intact, see, so many of their stars were serving in World War II. I don't know if Jackie would have ever been invited to play for the Monarchs. Wow. And how would history have been altered? Yeah. And, and so by the end of the 45 season, Jackie is gone. 
you know, they didn't know where he was. He had literally disappeared. Well, as we know, he was meeting with Branch Rickey, where the two of them would make the epic decision that he would be the chosen one to break Major League Baseball's self-imposed six-decade-long color barrier. And there's no question that Jackie's breaking of the color barrier signaled the beginning, but also the end. It was the beginning of social progress in this country, but it also spelled the demise of the Negro Leagues. Because after he breaks the color barrier, this now opens the door for other black and brown athletes to now flow into Major League Baseball. And there was no replenishing system so it was not a matter of if, it was simply a matter of when the Negro Leagues were going to have to shut its doors. And so for that Negro League owner, thanks to Effa Manley, who owned the Newark Eagles, they started selling their star talent to the major leagues, just trying to get whatever they could get before the business of black baseball died. J.O. Wilkinson, who owned the Kansas City Monarchs, Never got, as my mother would say, not one red cent for a man who was under contract. Branch Rickey didn't sign Jackie Robinson away from the Kansas City Monarchs. Branch Rickey took Jackie Robinson away from the Kansas City Monarchs. Yeah, and and yeah, no, it's it's such an amazing story in itself. I tell people you can do a scripted TV series just off of what transpired leading up to Jackie being the guy as baseball was starting to explore integration and all the back and forth and you don't know who to believe and everybody's coming out and they've all got their own motives behind them. But ultimately, thanks to Al Happy Chandler and Branch Rickey, who I still say to this day, orchestrated that move. Yeah, they orchestrated that move. Yeah. Because <laughs> what Ricky was shrewd enough to know was that the commissioner had the unilateral power to overturn the owner's vote, a power that Judge Kennesaw Mountain Landis had installed for himself when they hired him after the Black Sox scandal, or to, to rule over the Black Sox scandal. And it would be that same installation of power that would ultimately break the owner's hearts and have a black man playing in the major leagues because <laughs> Chandler overturned the owner's vote. And Ricky, I believe, had a, a backroom handshake with Chandler that said, hey, if the owners vote against this, will you overturn it? He says, yes, I will. And he lived up to his word. And he did just that. And that's how we get Jackie Robinson. But you're right. It absolutely did. It, it, it was the beginning of the demisal of the Negro Leagues. I think a lot of Negro League teams thought that they might become kind of a feeder system, a, a, a pseudo minor league of sort for some major league teams, but that the major leagues were never going to do that. They already had their own minor league systems in place. And, and so, yeah, those black owners knew they had no, they essentially had no choice. You just, it was like a fire sale. And then you think about this, they were getting hall of fame talent, man for pennies on the dollar. <laughs> you know, you go get, while, while, J.L. Wilkinson never got paid for Jackie Robinson when Bill Vett came to get Larry Doby from the Newark Eagles. Mrs. Manley wasn't going to just, he came offering $5,000. And Mrs. Manley would write back to him and says, Mr. Vett, now you know if Larry Doby was white, 
he'd be worth over $100,000. But if you think this $5,000 sum is fair, I guess I have no choice because she knew too that she was not going to be able to fight these major league owners off. You see, blood was in the water right. and the sharks were coming. And so she says, I have no choice but to accept this. And Bill Vec, who had a heart for this, Bill Vec writes back and says, okay, I will give you an additional 5,000. So he raised the ante to $10,000 and I will give Larry a $5,000 signing bonus if he makes the team. $15,000 for a future Hall of Famer. Unreal. <laughs> yeah. And then they were getting these other players for about the same sum. Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Ernie Banks. You know, they were getting about the same amount of money for guys who would become Hall of Fame players. But those yeah. Negro League owners were stuck between that proverbial rock and a hard place. So it's either sell or they were going, they were going to go anyway. So you were going to lose this commodity no matter what. And so they just kind of created a fire sale, tried to groom as many young stars as they could in hopes that they could sell them to the major leagues. And then the Negro Leagues would cease operations in 1960. Right. Boston would become the last team to integrate in 59. And so, and so Buck sees the writing on the wall, right? He sees the writing on the wall. And when the Monarchs were sold at the end of the 1955 season, he resigns. And Cubs general manager with Matthews hires O'Neill as a scout after, the, um, you know, he was tasked with, you yeah. know, scouting black high school and colleges and then the Negro leagues for talent. And one of the players that we're going to talk about next time you and I talk a young shortstop named Ernie Banks and <laughs> boy, oh boy, that, that, like I said, I, I we were going to talk about it today and there's just so much to talk about with Buck. We couldn't get it in. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to kind of continue this conversation with you. And, and, and next time we talk, we'll definitely talk about Ernie Banks. But I do want to talk a little bit about what you got going on right now. You have a couple of different things going on. Tell us about this new animated series yeah. that MLB has just put out. Man, I, I couldn't be more prouder of something that the museum had had a role in helping develop as I am with the new animated short series called Undeniable Stories from the Negro Leagues. This has been about two years in the making where the museum has partnered with Major League Baseball, uh, an animate, two animation firms called Invisible Collective and Martian Blueberry to try and find a way to connect with a new generation. And, and, and I've said this on many occasions, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It is important for any museum, particularly a history museum, and even more so a cultural institution like the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, is that you try to establish relevancy. How can I connect to an ever-changing generation of young people? As you well know, Negro Leagues Baseball hadn't been played in over six decades. And so it's easy for a kid to say, oh, that was then, this is now. I've got to show them how now relates to then. 
and in some ways then is is but as as close to being now as ever before and so this story really does resonate on so many different levels but i cannot wait for them to come to me <laughs> i've got to go to them and, and i have to go to them in the modes and mediums in which they are accustomed to getting their information so right. to be part of this animated series to try and engage young people around the history of the Negro Leagues and, and, and generate greater interest is something that we always thought would be meaningful and, and relevant. And to, to see this first one released that we did on February 1st, subsequently one coming on February 8th and, and the last of the three on, I believe, February 15th is really exciting. And based on the reaction that we've seen on social media, everybody is feeling what we've done with this series. The first one, as you know, was dedicated around the women of the Negro Leagues. And Absolutely. that's eye-opening for so many people. It really is. And I encourage everybody to check it out. It, it, it's just such a great project. And not only that, right now you also have, you know, the Negro League Museum is always open. I know that our friends uh, Levante Stewart and the Lost Boys came yes. out last summer and had an absolute blast. And if you are a baseball fan in general, you know, it just needs to be a stop in understanding the history of the game. And so, you know, open, you know, you're open right now, you're open during the season and it is just an absolutely wonderful place to go. And for people, especially young people, like you said, trying to reach young people and showing them this history is just really important. Oh, it absolutely is. It's important on a number of levels. This is a forgotten piece of baseball and American history. So it's not in the pages of American history books. The more majority of us have gone through our long formal educations without knowing one of the most significant chapters, not in baseball history, but in American history. So these cultural institutions fill the gap that was the void from history books. American historians basically deliberately ignored this piece of history. So this is a brand new history for virtually everyone who, is in, who encounters it. But just as important as the museum is as an educational resource, it's the inspiration that comes from this story that may be just as meaningful. You know, when our kids walk into the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, this is really their first introduction to a segregated America. And to a child, to a child, they all kind of summarize segregation very simply. That was dumb. And they're <laughs> right. It was dumb. But it was the way that this country was. And it's important for us as parents, as educators, as community leaders to empower our young people to take us where we still yet need to go in the future. We still have a lot of work to do in this country as it relates to race relations. And if they're going to be the ones that bear the responsibility of doing this, they have to understand that life hasn't always been as good as it is for some of its citizens today. So the look on their faces when you learn that you could go to jail for sitting in the wrong section of a ballpark, going to jail for drinking out of the wrong water fountain and using the wrong restroom, and quite frankly, going to jail with some of the good things that happen to people. A lot of people lost their lives for breaking those simple societal standards. So what we've attempted to do at the Negro Leagues Museum is take very complex subject matter, segregation. It is difficult for us as an adult to understand. 
no less our children, and try to simplify it by telling it through the eyes of these courageous athletes. So by the time they walk away from this experience, I think what they walk away understanding is that what the Negro Leagues teaches us is really simple. In this great country of ours, if you dare to dream and you believe in yourself, man, you can do it, be anything you want to be. Now, they dared to dream of playing baseball. They had no idea that they were making history. They didn't care about making history. They just wanted to play ball. But that's the spirit that drives the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And this month, our friends over at the Kansas City Royals and Royals Charities have made the museum available free of charge to any and everyone who wants to visit. And I have just absolutely, my heart is overjoyed when I see families coming intact passing this history down, sharing this story from generation to generation. That is what makes it so special for me. But it, it's, a, it's just such an amazing story because they didn't cry about the social injustice. This is not a woe is mine kind of story. No, no, no. These athletes went out and did something about it. You won't let me play with you in the major leagues. Okay, I'll create a league of my own. Yeah. And what's not to love about a story like that? Because that is the American way. Absolutely. And, and you know, I just want to thank you, Bob, for hopping on and telling us all this. People, again, can follow you on Twitter. Uh, what Your Twitter handle, again, is M- NLBM Prez, P-R-E-Z. Same username for Instagram as well. And if you want to follow the museum, it's NLBM uh, Museum. Uh, NLB Museum KC. Uh, Absolutely. Uh huh. And 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 again, the other store, the other episodes of Undeniable are going to be coming out, and you have the podcast Black Diamonds, Bob. You know, I just think about everything that you and and the late great Buck O'Neill did to to make this museum a reality, and and it's just so great, and that's why I wanted to have you on, and 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 thank you so much for popping on. No, I appreciate it, man. It's uh, it's an honor for me to kind of receive the baton from Buck and to walk in his enormous footsteps. You can't feel his shoes. You'll be naive to think that you can feel his shoes, but it's just an honor to even walk in his footsteps to try and keep something alive that he was so passionate about. And that was the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And so I thank everyone who continues to support us along this journey and, uh, you know, it's, we're having a good time doing this as well. So, it, you know, it's just a lot. It's a lot of fun for all of us. It's a labor of love for all of us who are involved with this project. Well, thank you again, Bob. And we'll be talking to you soon. And uh, as always, appreciate your time. Oh, anytime. Thanks for having me. Well, that's a wrap. Season two, episode nine is in the books. Buck O'Neill, the Cubs forgotten legend Crowley, 53 days until opening day. And I know you've got your countdown on for spring training as pitchers and catchers are already, uh, not officially, but they're already getting together out west, out in the desert, out in Arizona, which is also home of the Super Bowl this year. So a lot of uh, a lot of celebrities and a lot of uh, athletes uh, hanging out in Arizona the next couple weeks. What's the Super Bowl? 
<laughs> sorry. Uh, we can't pot here, Crawley. Here, Crawley. Here, here's a, when you text me on Saturday night or Sunday morning, hey, can we podcast Sunday? The answer is no. Okay. Big, fat, capital N-O. Okay. There's no, there will be no recording Maybe on Saturday if it was during the day, but there'll be no recording Saturday night. And there'll be no recording on Sunday, possibly Monday. But we'll have a couple podcasts for you between uh, now and the Super Bowl. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Fly the W670, on Fly on Facebook at Fly the W, or you can email us at Fly the W670 at gmail.com and go Cubs.